This morning we share in the third Sunday of Easter also. Um, each week we look at Jesus showing up after the resurrection. And this uh, week we see him show up near the Sea of Galilee. It's a little bit unexpected, uh, but sometimes great things come from unexpected places. We'll see that today. We'll see unexpected generosity embodied uh, through what God does in this passage. And I hope that you can see Jesus not as the expert on everything, but as a voice that comes from an unexpected place to help the disciples uh, live into their, their call. We'll uh, consider that as we consider the disciples catching a haul of fish and sharing a meal with their Savior from the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 1 through 19. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, We'll go with you. They went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. He said to them, Children, have you no fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast your net to the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. The disciple who Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes for he was naked and he jumped in the boat. But the disciples, but the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, yet only a hundred yards out. When they got to shore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have caught. And so Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. And this was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast together, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, do you, son, or son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter felt hurt because he said this to him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything, and you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, whenever you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt 
and go wherever you wish. But when you grow old, you will, scratch out, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death uh, by which he would undergo. After this, he said to him, follow me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Do you remember that show or that portion of a show? Kids say the darndest things. Maybe on Children's Sunday, this is an appropriate entry into our scripture. Kids say the darndest things. This started with uh, Art Linklater many years ago, and then about 20 years ago, we had a TV show uh, about it for a little while. Kids say the darndest things. The premise is, given the right amount of space, and maybe evoking them a little bit, kids will speak with humor and truth that is sometimes difficult for us adults to say. Sometimes it's because we're trying to be polite. Sometimes it's because kids will just say what's inappropriate, even though we might have been thinking it. But when it comes to children, if you've been around them at all, you know that they will sometimes say the things we don't want them to say, even if what they are saying is the honest-to-goodness truth. That is an unfortunate part of having and being around children, isn't it? I don't want to dwell on what our children say as the only example today, but, but, but I hope that particularly... You can think about children and the way that they represent insight coming from an unexpected place. Sometimes if we listen, we can experience great insights from some of the places and situations where we might least expect it. Some of the people who are the least likely to be our teachers are sometimes the most helpful I think God provides generous insight from places that we do not expect if we are open to listen. In the show, of course, kids say the darndest things. The kids are the ones who provide the great insight to those who were willing to watch. They provided an unexpected generosity of of truth, a view into something we maybe needed but might not be willing to do or say ourselves. And the reality is more times than you and I care to admit in our lives, we need a vision, an insight, we need instruction. And sometimes it comes from the places where we least expect. And I think we need to listen to those unexpected voices. And I think Jesus actually embodies that in this passage. Now that may be strange, but traditionally we just read this story in the same old way. We think of Peter, who's exasperated, and we think of Jesus as the all-knowing God, both of which are true. The disciples have been through so very much, and then Jesus reappears. He showed up for Thomas, But now it's time for them to kind of move on. Life is is going on. They're not locked up in the upper room anymore. 
And the disciples are having to start to live this out by the time we get to John 21. They're left to figure out, now what do I do? How do we follow? What do we do with these years that we spent following this teacher around? And so Peter decides to go fishing. Several disciples follow. It makes sense. It really does make sense that he would do this. He knew that, well, he knew the water, right? He was a fisherman. He knew he could make money fishing, and Jesus was gone. The treasurer had, you know, done what Judas did. And so they were going to have to find some way to keep things moving along. And, well, they were grieving. So they did what you do. They, they, they turned to their muscle memory. They engaged in the practices that they knew best. This is what they did. This is what we do. When we grieve, when we struggle, when we need to figure out our bearings, we go back to the basics. Or, you know, if you follow a sports team that struggles a little bit, what does the coach always, always say? We gotta play our game. We gotta get back to the fundamentals. We gotta do it the way we know how to do it. And in life, when we experience turmoil and, and trouble, we long for normalcy, we long for consistency, and so we go to places where, where we can find the reliable interactions that will feel familiar, that will feel right. That's why Cracker Barrel works so good, right? It's familiar, it's comfortable, it's reliable. It's good old home cooking that sometimes you just need. Doesn't matter what your doctor tells you, you should be eating. I think this is what Peter does. He needs something normal, so he goes fishing. But he has then a problem. A big problem for a fisherman. Right? He catches no fish. I'm not really a fisherman. I'm sure there's a fisherman's joke about what do you call a fisherman who doesn't catch any fish. I don't know what the answer is. Maybe it's the water ski driver or, or maybe it's hungry or, or broke. But, but Peter and his disciples were not fit to be the punchline of a joke this morning. They wanted to catch some fish. They worked all night. They had gone through all of their reliable habits and their familiar patterns and none of it was working. The things they were the best at, the things they were most confident about, the things that had always generated the most predictable, reliable results had started to fail them. And then someone from the shore says, what's going on, guys? Have you caught any fish? Now, we don't read Peter's frustration here, but this story actually shows up, or a similar version of this story exists at the beginning of Jesus' ministry in Luke chapter 5. He's got done teaching, the disciples have gone out fishing, and in Luke 5, Jesus is like, have you been fishing? Did you catch anything? And they say, no. And he says the same thing there as he does here. Cast your nets on the other side of the boat. Now in Luke 5, Peter responds. He says, look, we've worked all night and caught nothing. 
We got nothing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets. Again, if, 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 if we really are thinking through what's between the lines about Peter here in John 21, I'm willing to bet his inner monologue went a little something like this. Put the net down on the other side of the boat, like, like there instead of here. Look, I know this sea like the back of my hand. I've been doing this for 30 years. I've been here all night. My boat is fine. My nets are reliable. My fishing partners know the craft just as well as I do. Why should I listen to some stranger from the shore tell me how to do what it is that I know how to do? Why should someone who's been doing this for as long as I have need to listen to a different kind of voice? You ever done that in your own life? If you haven't, then you're not like me. Because I have gotten into a situation, looked for and found a suggestion from someone far off in a different spot, and it was like, really? I don't think it's a stretch to think that that's what Peter was thinking on that day. He didn't necessarily want to listen to the, the random voice from the peanut gallery that was out for his morning walk. But you know what? Everything else wasn't working. So he thought he would, I guess, give something new a try. And here's the thing. It's easy to say, you know what? It was just Jesus on the shore and Jesus knows everything. And so, of course, all he had to do was listen to Jesus and it would all work out fine. But this resurrection appearance isn't exactly about Jesus' all-knowing divinity. There's nothing about Jesus' sort of aura as the Son of God that is emphasized in this passage. Everything here that's emphasized is about humanity. Jesus had brought them bread so they could eat. He had made a fire so they could cook fish. He asked them to bring one of the fish they had caught so they knew it was a real, large, healthy, good fish. They see that this is Jesus in all of his humanness. And if you remember, Jesus might have known a thing or two about fishing, but he was not an expert fisherman. He was an expert carpenter. Jesus could handle wood like a pro, but we never hear any examples of Jesus wrangling fish like a bassmaster. Jesus, to me, in this case, represents an unexpected, outside, marginalized voice that provided insight into a situation that provided something amazing for the disciples. And it, well, it makes us wonder, typically we don't have time for the outside voices because what do they know? Why should we not consider the voice of the experts? Except sometimes the experts just offer the same old stuff. And maybe if we listen to the fringe, maybe if we consider a new voice, maybe if we allow someone else's unexpected insight, there might be some amount of generosity and grace that comes because they... They have something to offer 
that we hadn't yet heard. Peter casted his nets on the other side of the boat. He changed his patterns. He did something differently. And for a moment, he decides to fish in a different way than he always had. And what he found was more fish than he could handle. More abundance than he was prepared for. Peter listens to the outside voice and finds abundance. Which... You know, begs the question for you and me, right? Where is there an outsider providing some insight into your life or a congregation's life that might be an insight that you and we should listen to also? Maybe in them, maybe in listening to them, we can see something. Maybe we should fear the outside voices a whole lot less. Because, well, if if Jesus could speak to the disciples from the shore and they didn't even recognize him because he was on the fringe, then, then we have every reason to believe that maybe on the fringes of our own lives, there's someone out there ready to speak something into us also. Now look, maybe you just read this story and you see that Jesus knows everything. And of course he's going to tell the disciples. And of course the disciples are just going to know in their hearts that like, well, okay, we should listen to this particular stranger. And if that's all you get from this passage, you know, you get something and that's fine. But, but if you think God might be at work in the world, not just in the same places where you've always expected God to be at work, and if you think that sometimes you and, and, and we get stuck in our ways and, and our results begin to diminish, then maybe this passage is for us. Maybe in figuring out who has a different point of view and who can see something that I can't see, you can't see, maybe we might be able to start fishing a little differently. And experience something new. Peter caught a haul of fish. More fish than the other fishermen could bring into the boat in that moment. And then Jesus asks him about his love. Jesus implores Peter to feed sheep, to tend lambs, to care for those who are in need. And the haul of fish was not just some magical proof that Jesus knew what he was doing on the sidelines. Rather, the proof was that if we listen and God is speaking to us from an unexpected place and abundance comes, it's because it's abundance that's going to promise that we can go do something else. I think... Jesus gave Peter an abundant haul of fish so that he knew when it was time to feed the, feed the lambs and tend the sheep and to care for the people, there was going to be plenty there for him to do it with. And what they did with that haul of fish wasn't just have a great breakfast. But it was the promise that there was plenty to feed those around them who were in need. And so we too can use the blessings derived from God's abundant insight to feed those who we're called to feed in every possible way because we need to find places to give folks the fish that we've got. This is how God works. 
And I don't think we can imagine a better way for God to work than, well, to call us to give the abundant fish we have to those who need it. But sometimes it takes listening to a voice that comes from a place where maybe we wouldn't expect it. Which brings us back to the beginning and those kids, these kids, who say the darndest things. What's significant about the trope that kids say the darndest things is that they can tell the truth even with, with limited insight. But they also tell the truth because they see things ways that, in ways that we don't. And so today, it's not just the kids who teach us, but it's anyone who can see something in a way that we can't, who we have the chance to learn from. Kids are a great example today, but they're just an invitation into listening, listening further. Listening to those who can look into our world with fresh eyes. Listening to those who, through their position and, and point of view, even though it might be radically unexpected, Sometimes it's that unexpected voice that provides the generosity and the abundance that we need the most. So today, yes, listen to the children. But also listen to those who you might not normally listen to. Listen to someone possibly who you do not want to listen to. Listen to those from positions and places that are, well, they might be where you least expect them. And as you listen, listen with an open heart and an open mind. Be willing to be seen and then be willing to make shifts and changes, even if the change is as simple as throwing the net on the other side of the boat, whatever that means for you in your life. This is what Peter did. The expert fisherman listened to the voice from the margin on the shore. He listened to the carpenter on the shore and it changed his life and his mission. And maybe that's not what you want. Maybe you just want to stay all the same. And if so, then don't listen to the outside voices. But if you want to listen to how God's calling you forward into generosity and love and to abundance, then pay attention to the fringes. God is at work out there. And if God's at work out there, it's so that he can change us in here in amazing ways. Will you pray with me? Loving God, on a day when we hear from our children singing the songs of love and hope and grace, hopefully we recognize that they represent just one of many of the ways that you speak to us. We pray, Lord, that in this day and in each day that lies ahead, you would continue to speak to us. And Lord, help us to hear. Help us to hear and and to follow. And Lord, give us courage because sometimes hearing the voice and stepping forward to follow comes from a place we wouldn't expect it. But Lord, what we see, what we see on the Damascus Road, what we see on the Sea of Galilee is that even the unexpected voices can lead to abundance and generosity and love and hope. And so Lord, open our hearts and our eyes open our minds and our souls to hear from the unexpected voices that lead to your abundance. 
Thank you, Lord, for this call. Thank you, Lord, for opening us up. Thank you, Lord, for leading us. Grant us courage today. It is in your name we pray. Amen.